0: Return to Dallas, by Robert P. Fitton. Return to Dallas, Chapter 10. The Thunderbird Hotel. July 26, 1963. 2.15 a.m. Between consciousness and sleep, Patch's imagination overlapped with a dream or deep thoughts. He walked across a landing field surrounded by barren tundra maybe Greenland or Alaska. A contingent of military men led him into a spider-like dome that appeared like a portable hospital unit inside. Like a strobe light flashing, he was suddenly hooked up to several tubes. He had been flown by jet to this place. A woman in scrubs told him her people were trying to keep him from the Chinese by selectively removing his memories. Dr. Moon is a very vindictive individual, she said. A dark-haired colonel spoke next. They need your retrograde knowledge because they believe that Minkowitz is dying in Florida. Being treated is painless, said the woman. The distant telephone's ringing became louder. Patch sat up in the hotel bed. What the hell? He reached for the phone near the clock radio and lifted the receiver to his ear. Hello, Sherry? The line clicked and went dead. Still groggy, he thought about the dream. Chinese, Mankiewicz, retrograde. Then he pushed the red button for the front desk. This is Mr. Kincaid in 104. Did anyone just call the switchboard and ask for my room? Hold on, please. Patch closed his eyes as he lay back on the pillow. Mr. Kincaid, I have Miss Olson here. She took the call. Thanks. Hello, Mr. Kincaid. Said the squeaky Miss Olson. A man just called a few minutes ago. He had a raspy voice. Patch sat up quickly on the pillows. What? Did he give his name? No, sir. Thank you. He hung up the phone, but when he heard rattling in the parking lot, he leaped from the bed. In his boxes, he pulled back the drapes. A shadowy form slithered along the cars toward an idling 18-wheeler parked diagonally near the fence. Two men were inside the darkened truck cab. Patch dressed quickly and dragged open the sliders in front of the drapes. The truck engine now idled close enough to smell the fumes. He darted between the parked cars and cut at an angle to a whitewashed stockade fence. The light in the cab illuminated the two men, probably truck drivers. He crouched behind a Buick near the huge truck. Moon might not have been in the area when he called the hotel. Patch would have to check with the front desk. He backtracked and then he started toward his room slider. Dr. Alexander Moon stepped around a smaller truck. He gripped a rifle and pointed it directly at Patch. The distinctively hoarse voice halted him in the middle of the lot. Stop right there, Patch. What do you want with me? Oh, what do I want with you? Your plan has been foiled. You will not accomplish your mission. What mission? Who am I? Why has my memory been wiped? Moon walked closer and raised his gun. Your stalling tactics will do you no good. Goodbye, Patch. And Patch, I would have told you told me what. Finally figured it out. I know why he died. It was off the coast of Florida. Who? Gunfire echoed off the hotel walls. Moon's body lifted off the ground, and his weapon flipped across the lot. Blood surrounded the doctor's arms and spread on the asphalt. Two men in suits from the front of the hotel ran into the lot. Another man in a tuxedo swept in from the right. McWillie, in a black tuxedo, held a long-barreled handgun as he trotted behind the first two men. "'He's dead, Mr. McWillie.' "'Is that Moon, Patch?' Patch walked forward, perplexed by Moon's last words. Moon's gray hair flowed onto the asphalt. "'Yes, that's Moon.' "'Good.' He looked up at McWilly. "'Thank you.' "'Who the Christ is Moon?' "'Scientist.' "'He thinks I had some kind of information and wanted me dead.' McWillie turned to the turtleneck man. "'Bring him out to the desert.' "'What's in the desert?' asked Patch. McWillie paused as if he was about to deliver an off-quoted line. There are graves dug outside of town, just waiting for troublemakers. Understood. Close call, Patch. I told Jack to make sure you're armed. How did you know about Moon? McWillie grinned. You have guardian angels watching over you, Patch. The Thunderbird Hotel. Las Vegas, Nevada. Friday morning, July 26th. 1963, 8.30 a.m. Patch leaped for the ringing phone. His heart jump-started. Hello. Patchy, I'm ready to hit the road. Patchy, is that you? Jack, I'm just getting up. We had a rough night out there. So I heard, you should have called me. You were out. Oh, yeah, listen. I've ordered breakfast for you in your room. That's nice of you. No problem, we've got a long ride. It's a one-way trip to Tipperary. Sorry about the broad. Me too. I'll be ready in half an hour. By the way, your man in the moon guy, you know the guy they plugged in the lot? What about him? He was looking for Johnny Roselli after Thursday's Dodgers game. He said he was your friend and asked where you were. Really? They told him to hit the road, but then they tailed him. Two things, Patchy. Word is out that you walked right in the parking lot and faced the bastard. Your operation is much too important for some dumbass to mess it up. What's the second thing? I got you at 38. Thanks. Don't mention it. Don't be afraid to use it if you have to. I take care of my friends and they take care of me. Capiche? Capiche. Somebody knocked on the hallway door. Patch hung up the phone. Then he unplugged the small lamp and removed the bulb and shade. He held it in the air. Who is it? Room service. He stared at the door and approached, gripping the neck of the lamp. Patch slid the chain and turned the lock. He raised the lamp and pulled back the door. In her light jacket, Shari stood with both hands on the handle of the food cart. I thought you might be hungry. He ran around the cart and hoisted her into the air. I couldn't leave you back here, Patch. Capiche capiche He lowered her to the carpet. Then they came into a tender embrace. Her lips were smooth and sensual. When they broke, she had a huge smile. Then she shook her head. I got to some place called Pony Springs in the middle of nowhere. Patch let his hand glide along her thick, dark hair. The whole way out of Vegas, I was a wreck. Patch, I just couldn't leave. I didn't want you to leave. He placed his fingertips on her cheeks and kissed her again. Some things only happen once, Patch. I have no idea where this Oswald thing will lead. Two heads are better than one. Maybe there was a reason why you left last night. I don't understand. Moon, he came armed and ready to kill. McWillie's boys gunned him down in the parking lot. He was about to kill me. She hugged him again. Oh, Patch, he's dead. He said my plan was foiled and I wouldn't complete my mission. He said he had finally figured out why somebody died. It was something to do with the coast of Florida. That makes no sense. To Moon, it made great sense. She looked into his eyes. What do you mean? Another dream, vivid. Some military operation way up north. They had tubes hooked into me to selectively wipe my memory, Sherry. Then it's true, but why Spokane? Patch shook his head. I don't know, but I do know that Moon and the Chinese were after me. Whoever got at my memory was afraid that Moon would find out things. And they mentioned this Mankiewicz. That's all. Patchy, that's more than enough. Jack counted something in the trunk of his Oldsmobile and recorded it on a clipboard. He turned when he saw Patch walking with Shari across the parking lot. Then he slammed the trunk shut. Well, How do you like that? Lemon and line back together again. Where are we headed, Jack? Just follow me. He threw the clipboard in the back seat and the dog barked. Did you tell her about Moon? He told me. What a relief. McWillie said he was a nutcase. That's an understatement, said Patch. Okay, Jack. You're in charge. The way I like it. As Jack shuffled over to his Oldsmobile, Sherry grabbed Patch's shoulder. Patch, I've been trying to understand what Moon was talking about. Who died off of Florida? You're asking me? You think you shot somebody and they started running away from Moon? I remember Moon was chasing me. If somebody had died, I would have remembered that, too. Return to Dallas, Chapter 11. Henley Service Station, Route 66, Gallup, New Mexico. Friday afternoon, July 26th. 1963 2:45 p.m with the impala parked diagonal to the gas station jack's mouth forever flapped inside the phone booth several times he pounded on the plexiglass with his closed fist every time we get near jack's trunk he gets nervous she said patch looked out at the black and white texas license plates then he lifted his shiny 38 i didn't mean you had to shoot him He doesn't shut up, I may just pop him. Then his smile drifted away. He stared at the gun and realized once again, Roselli's assignment was dangerous. She pushed him toward the door. Let's get a Coke in the machine. Patch extended both arms into the air as he stepped onto the gritty sand. Jack's voice carried in the warm New Mexico air. Well, Patch wandered over you, toward his car. The Oldsmobile 88 had a large chrome bumper and pointed rocket it red taillights. For, uh, Patch squatted down and ran his fingers along the oh, chrome 88 emblem below the trunk on the left. He slid I his finger in the crack out. and the trunk moved up slightly. This, thinking, the Inside the expanse were dozens yeah. of, yeah. of yeah. rifles, yeah. a few automatic weapons, and wood ammunition boxes. Patch immediately pushed the truck back to its original position and spun around. Did he see you, Patch? I don't think so. He's pretty upset on the phone. What is he doing with all those guns? Guns for money, said Patch in a low voice. They walked up to the red and white coke machine in the shade of the stucco station. Patch pulled out enough change to cover three bottles of coke. As if he were playing the slots, he deposited the quarters. Each Coke had a distinctive tumbling sound as the green bottle slid to the bottom of the machine. She removed the bottles one by one and gave them to Patch. He flipped off the caps on the side opener and handed one of the cold bottles to Sherry. Thanks, Patchy. Don't mention it, he said opening his bottle. In the hot sun, he let the cold sweet caramel liquid bubble down his dry throat. He wiped his sweaty forehead with the bottle. Man, it's hot out here. She dabbed a tissue on his brow. There, thanks. Patch checked his watch. Jack had been in the telephone booth for 15 minutes. He held the last bottle and started toward the booth. What's so important to be on the phone all this time? Judging by what's in the trunk, I'd say he has a lot to talk about. Did you see the way he looked at McWillie back in Las Vegas? Like he idolizes him. Patch took another swig and panned the long highway stretch beyond the booth. He probably down. does. McWillie is a big deal said, Vegas guy. What about Jack? she asked, grinning. What about up. him? Yeah, laughed really Patch. Know the guy. Hey! You found out who I am. Then Jack slammed down the phone and kicked open both doors. His white shirt was unbuttoned and the sleeves were rolled up. He tucked the shirt in his dark trousers. His handgun was strapped in a leather side holster. Stupid morons They should be lucky they're even working. You all right, Jack? asked Patch as he handed him the moisture-dripped glass bottle. Thanks, Patchy. He took a big sip and coughed. The cough blended into words. Yeah, just a little labor trouble. That was my second call. Listen, your man, Oswald, is now in New Orleans. Why? His face contorted as if it were still in the booth, and he was still angry, and then he jammed his finger into Patch's shoulder. Stop asking your questions. It'll only get you into trouble. I understand. Good. Shari took a sip of Coke. You should be wearing that thirty-eight I gave you. I gave you the strap. Somebody shoots at you. It's not going to do you any good if your piece is lying on the back seat. Patch nodded as he finished the Coke. Jack looked down the road as he tilted the Coke bottle, but he spoke before he drank. Come on, lemon and lime. Let's get off the reservation. The complete audiobook of Return to Dallas is available at audible.com.